You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to connect Facebook, and that means, you guessed it, we got to let it breathe just for a moment here. And then we'll fire off this Independence Day party proper. And we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, happy 4th, man. Happy 4th to all of our listeners across the Fruited Plain. Even if you're not in the lower 48, if you're in Alaska, if you're in Hawaii, and so many of our great community members are are in those awesome states. But happy 4th of July, my friend. Yeah, same to you. Same to everyone out there. Thank you for taking time out of your Independence Day to follow us and, and watch us tonight. Um, John and I and you, Chad, were talking about it before the podcast. What a great day it is just to celebrate freedom, just to celebrate food, you know, unfortunately no football, but we're getting there. We're getting to that point. I always like this holiday and I uh, hope you've had a great one as well. Yes, I have. It's been great. And one of the things I like to do this time of year is it's it's actually a, a annual ritual for me. And that is there was a mini series that HBO put out like 10, 15 years ago, almost somewhere on there called John Adams. And it has uh, Paul Giamatti as, as as Adams. And it kind of drops you right in the middle of what was going on when the British slash American colonists decided this is some BS and they stood up and did what they had to do to um, declare independence and then fight, of course, for independence. And it kind of helps you to understand that, like, you know, you hear people talk about Zach and I don't want to completely make our show. People want to hear about the Broncos and we'll get to that. But, you know, people back then that actually put in on this and the people who signed that declaration, man, it was an agonizing, agonizing decision. Like imagine yourselves in the situation you're in now. Maybe you have a good job. Maybe you've got a nice career. Maybe you got a house. Maybe your home is paid off. You got some nice cars. You got some money in the stock market. Like you're doing okay. But by virtue of signing this document, you're laying this out there. You're risking this. This could, this comfort, this uh, privilege in some senses could be just taken from you by signing a document. It was a huge risk, man. And a lot of guys, you know, especially a few of the colonies in the South, took them a long time to arrive at the conclusion. All right, 13 colonies we are. Here's all 13. Let's go. And then, of course, the rest is history. But I highly recommend that HBO miniseries. And if you have Amazon Prime or if you have HBO Max or any of that stuff, if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to HBO through Amazon. Go back and watch that. Highly recommended by yours truly. USA, USA. Let's get it going in the chat, guys. But you know what, uh, Chad, not to derail the podcast. We'll get to Broncos talk in just a second here. So many other outlets and so many people now denounce America and, you know, what's anti-America, this and that. You and I are proud patriots. While it's still the 4th of July, we're going to celebrate America, and we hope everyone out there is have, having a very safe, happy 4th of July as well. And you know, that's, that's, you know, like you said, that document, our constitution is the foundation for modern day democracy, Chad. This America is great. America is the greatest country on the face of the earth in history. And that will never change. And as long as you and I are getting on here, we'll continue, especially on the 4th of July to espouse that. 
You know, when I was young, I think I kind of, when I was a young man, late teen, early 20s, I would kind of like scoff at how seriously, like I'd see my dad take like um, national anthem or things like that. Not scoff, but like, I think I, I underappreciated it. And at this day, at this age, it's been for a while now, but like if I'm in a, if I'm at a sporting event and I'm in the stadium and out comes the star spangled banner, I'm one of these nerds that kind of gets like a little bit choked up, dude. I got the hat over the heart or whatever. It's important, and I think the older you get, the more you realize how how great it is to to be in yes. this this nation and what a blessing it is. But Zach, let's talk some football, my dog. Yes. Of course, we are now officially two weeks into the dreaded NFL summer, so we are inching closer to training camp, which kicks off on the twenty eighth of this very month. And really, since you and I had a chance last to talk, there was a big uh, deadline, a date that came and went. And that was the deadline for NFL players who wanted to opt out or who would want to opt out to declare that. And all eyes were on Aaron Rodgers. We talked about why that was last week. And, of course, the deadline came past. He did not opt out. In fact, Aaron Rodgers opting in, Zach. And then you had this article. I want to get to it. But this notion that there is, quote, no trade market for Aaron Rodgers, what's that about? Uh, well, apparently, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, very veritable guy, uh, very, very credible guy. He said right now in talking to multiple interested suitors for A-Rod, whether that's a general manager or a coach or whoever, right now, that's the key words, right now, there is no trade market for Aaron Rodgers. But this is all, it seems like, I believe it was Drew Hollenbeck. I want to give him some credit. He tweeted back at me on Twitter, and he said it was almost like a smoke screen or a leverage play. I happen to agree with that as well. So often, we've talked about this through the entire Aaron Rodgers saga, both sides have been negotiating through the media, and I think maybe this is the Packers' way of trying to shut down any rumors. Maybe this is their way of trying to um, you know, stifle a trade involving Aaron. Maybe this is a way for them to hurt his standing in the NFL, saying that there's no trade market for the reigning NFL MVP, a future Hall of Famer. I don't really know. I don't, I'm don't. i right there with you, Chad, with your reaction to that. I don't know that I believe that too much. I think between maybe the Dolphins, Washington, the Broncos, the Raiders, one of those teams, maybe the Raiders, would be willing to give up the farm and, and acquiesce to Green Bay. And if they were to, though, that's still the what if here. If Green Bay is willing to flip him, if Green Bay is willing to make that trade and – absorb the egg on their face from moving a future Hall of Famer. I don't know about that, but it's always credible what Jeremy Fowler has to say, but the most, the biggest storyline here is, no surprise, Aaron's in for the season, unless he retires, of course. I take that to mean that Jeremy Fowler, after contacting what sources he might have in Green Bay and Packer-related sources around the league, that the Packers' position continues to be one of unmoving disinterest when it comes to trading the reigning MVP. So if the one side is absolutely unwilling to even talk trade, then I could see how you could interpret that as there is no trade market. But in terms of demand, in terms of interested suitors, I mean, let's let's be real here. Yeah, he's 37, but he is the reigning NFL MVP. And this dude is coming off literally his best, most prolific statistical season as a pro, or at least one of, and he did it not only at that age, Zach, but he did it with, I think, if you look at his biggest seasons individually, his passing yards, his touchdowns, all that stuff, he did it last year with the weakest supporting cast, which, again, only speaks to the rare talent that he is. So to think that there are no – I've always kind of felt Aaron was a little bit overrated 
And last year kind of disabused me of a lot of that. But still, to think, Zach, that this guy, the reigning NFL MVP, would have no trade market, I think that's a matter of semantics. I think you actually have to drill in a little deeper to figure out what that actually means. I think a little bit, though, is overblown as to Rodgers' weapons or lack thereof in Green Bay, at least last year. I mean, he did have a wide receiver one in Devontae Adams. He did have a running back one in Aaron Jones. I mean, it wasn't shop liver. He had Jamal Williams there as well. He had some tight ends. I think Richard Rodgers was there, and he was always a safety blanket. Not like what he would get in Denver or maybe even Vegas, but it still wasn't nothing. But that's the beauty of having a future Hall of Fame quarterback, a true franchise quarterback, as you like to say, they lift all ships. They they raise all boats, tides, whatever word you want to use. That's what Aaron can do. And, of course, the idea of playing with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant is appealing. Maybe even Henry Ruggs, Josh Jacobs in Vegas. Even Washington has some weapons. So that's why I'm saying among the four teams that we know we think are in the Rodgers sweepstakes, there's got to be one out there, despite what Fowler says, that'd be willing to pony up for a 37-year-old who's still playing, like you just mentioned, at a very high level. I want to actually quote what Fowler said here, but first I want to read this from one of our great listeners and a great member of the MHH community, David Bingaman. He says, he said he talked to teams, talking about Fowler. George Payton could be coyly trying to drive the price down or the diva is spoiling interest. I don't I really don't think it's that it's the latter, Zach. I really don't think Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think teams who are interested in Aaron Rodgers are interested in Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, it's might be concerning. And we've discussed this dynamic on this podcast before that what's good for the goose, good for the gander. Sometimes the shoe is on the other foot. And if you're the Denver Broncos, you might wonder, you might worry a little bit, you know, in the um you know, in the in your heart of hearts that he might do this to you a year or two years down the road or whatever after you've given up the farm. But I doubt it. I really do doubt it. I think, as David says here, Zach, the notion that Peyton, George Peyton, could be trying to play some 4D chess here. Hey, it's possible. Who knows? I think this really all comes down to Green Bay. Are they ever going to just give the green light and say, look, he ain't coming back. Let's go ahead and capitalize while the getting's good. And the closer you get to the season, Zach, the less good the getting becomes. Yeah, for sure. And I wouldn't put it past Peyton. In fact, I expect George Peyton to play that 40 chess. I expect him to negotiate and try to leverage uh, in a way that would help the Broncos because he's been doing that the entire offseason, and that's why he was a home run hire. But I don't think it's solely the Broncos here that influenced Fowler's report. As you see right there, he said multiple teams around the league, not just one. So what it says to me is Fowler checked in with teams that could trade for him, and either they've made an offer to Green Bay, and Green Bay has said he's not available for trade, or they're not willing to give up what it would take to acquire Aaron in a given trade. I think it's more of the latter. I'm still holding firm, Chad. I knew you disagree with me a little bit on this. I'm still holding firm to Green Bay, making him honor that contract and either playing this season or holding out or retiring. I don't disagree with you that that could be a, a very likely eventuality. I just disagree that it's a smart move for the Packers. That's my only thing. It's like, hey, man, if he ain't coming back, he ain't coming back. And – you're cutting off your own nose despite your face. You've already cut off the nose by Aaron not coming back. Don't take it a step further in spite your face. But let me just read this real quick quote. This is uh, Fowler uh, talking via uh, Bleacher Report on ESPN's Get Up. I kind of botched that, but either way. Quote, I checked in with people around the league this morning. The feeling is that Aaron Rodgers probably won't opt out. We know he didn't. 
but he got that $6.8 million roster bonus in March. So even if that's paid out in installments, he still has it. Maybe that's enough for him to say, I'm going to limit the Packers options and sit out and make that clear. Now, I talked to a source who said, look, he's the most competitive person in the world. Opting out and killing his season right now on July 2nd would be difficult for him to do. I've also checked in with multiple teams around the league who are monitoring the Aaron Rodgers trade situation. They said there is no trade market for Rodgers right now, close quote. Now, Zach, anyone who studied economics at all, even if you just took it as a one class in college, you know that in order for there to be a market, in order for there to be a transaction, there has to be a, a prospective seller and a sp- prospective buyer. I think you've got buyers lined up across the league. It's a question of, is there a seller yet willing to enter the market on this? And so far, the answer is no. Well, I also take umbrage to Fowler saying he's the most competitive guy in the world. If he's so competitive, what's he doing hosting Jeopardy? What's he doing flirting with retirement? I mean, I I wouldn't put him in the Tom Brady class of competitive. Tom Brady historically took less money to feel like a better, more competitive team. And it seems like Aaron's trying to squeeze or bleed the Packers for more money. And he's made $240 in his career. There's a lot of things you can say about Aaron. He's, He's a great player in many ways. The most competitive player in the world is not a phrase I would use with him. All right, guys, we got lots more to get to tonight. I see some super chat stacking up, some questions. We will get to it all here in just a moment. Really quickly, though, some matters of business. Make sure you know how to connect with us on social media, starting with Twitter. Best way to do that, follow the podcast at HuddleUpPod and the main account at MileHighHuddle. You can follow our great producer who does a lot on Twitter. He's a great follow, Beast at JohnKMHH. My partner here is Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Also, guys, check out the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. Give it a like. Give it a follow. In so doing, you automatically are entered into our weekly raffles. We give away a hat. We give away a T-shirt. We are going to be here very soon raffling out some Broncos swag, some actual jerseys and things like that. So if you want in on that, it's free. All you got to do is like and follow. All right. We also humbly, kindly ask you to become a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook. Even if you primarily enjoy this show on a different platform, whether it's YouTube, whether you're listening after the fact on demand on Apple Podcasts or Twitch, if you're live with us on Twitch, we want you to come over and subscribe and support on Facebook because that's where right now you can get access to our premium VIP video content, which includes, as today, everyone saw, Kelberman's Corner every Sunday at noon. The trickle zone every Saturday at noon. I still haven't completely settled in on a on a date and time, but just yesterday, Broncos Book Club was 2 p.m. Mountain. And these are weekly shows that are a different flavor than what you guys get to see here on these weekly or nightly, I should say, uh, live stream, one hour long, long form conversations. It's a different flavor. You want access to that? Click the big blue button on Mile High Huddle's Facebook page. You're in like Flynn. It's five bucks. Uh, Facebook cancel anytime helps keep the lights on and you get access to that content guys. Also last thing, check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on, get a hat, get a tee, get a mug, get a face mask, a little something for everybody. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. Seriously. We're just grateful to have you with us here. And Hey man, if it's not too much to ask, make sure you're subscribed, like the video. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook guys, you have no idea how much that helps us. And then, Hey, if we're doing a good job for you or at the very least, you respect the effort, share this video out there and help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. 
All right, John, we have a, a patient um, super chat superstar or two. I see one here from Muhammad who got in early with a super sticker, number one fan. And this is true. I mean, Muhammad is ride or die with MHH. He's in every single live stream. You know, we, we don't just, when we say we're a daily podcast or that Mile High Huddle has a, has a daily podcast, we don't just say that. All right. There's a lot of people out there, competitors in the landscape that claim they're a daily podcast, Zach. They go three times a week during the off season. They'll go twice a week during the season. Maybe they'll go four times a week. We have gone seven days a week for two and a half years. Muhammad is there every single night. Plus he's showing out with super chats. Plus he subscribes on Facebook as a super supporter. He was there today for Kelvin's corner. He's just there. So Muhammad love you, Doug. Plus, he's even rocking the swag in his profile picture. I mean, he Muhammad really is the gold standard. I should call him the Mo standard because you never cease to amaze us, Muhammad. And I could say after KK, you're in there commenting, supporting. And then after the show, you're in there tweeting at Kim and I, you know, with uh, praise and with support as well. So, Muhammad, everything you do is so appreciated and acknowledged. Nothing you do goes un, uh, unacknowledged or unappreciated. Thank you once again. But that pair, Chad trips me out man he eats that's a weird <laughs> pair <laughs> indeed john do you have drew we'll get sam bam um and i haven't seen drew for a while it's great to see you sam bam in the house what's going on sam thank you for the support appreciate you my friend his message via super chat is happy fourth of july broncos country and of course go broncos appreciate that sentiment my friend thank you for the support it means a lot Hope you're having a great fourth, Sam, and uh, happy that you're staying, you know, responsible and safe because many people out there like JPP, you know, hurting their hands or getting into accidents. We don't want to hear about any of that. So hope everyone is having a great fourth as well. Drew, longtime Super Chat superstar, MHH Mount Rushmore superstar in the house with a very generous super. Thank you, Drew. He says Green Bay and Rogers both still seem very firm with what they want. I'd give a lot for Rodgers, but there is a line we can't cross. I believe Peyton understands that too. I'm sure he does. Zach, what is that line? We've we've debated it. We've we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. But whatever, if Green Bay ever comes around to saying, "All right, let's talk turkey on Rodgers," and the phones light up, what's too much? What's the bridge too far for these Denver Broncos? I think you're in agreement with my bridge, but my bridge differs from, let's say, John's bridge, and John's bridge differs from Drew's bridge, let's say. Everyone has a subjective point of view on Aaron and what the Broncos should give up, if they should give up anything, and not just roll with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. For me, though, I would say three first-rounders and a foundational player. Again, if he was 25, 26, 27 years old, not 37 years old, that's one thing. That's a a long-term trade that you can justify. But when you have a three-year window, when he's going to be 41 in three years, when he's not Tom Brady because no one else is, that's a lot to give up. That hampered your team a lot. And it's one thing to do it when you have a GM, let's say, like Mike Mayock and John Gruden, who don't care about draft capital. But when you have a GM who's so – uh, greatly values draft capital, literally refers to it as darts for the dartboard. Why would you think that GM in his first year, nonetheless, would give up that amount of capital and cross that line for Aaron? I think it's unrealistic. Personally, I think for George Payton, if the ask goes too much farther than two ones and a two, he probably says, "Now nah, we're gonna we're gonna try our luck with Drew and Teddy." And that seemed like when this first came out, right, the night of the draft, 
I mean, how many reports have we seen, Zach, of, of insiders speculating on the cost everywhere from three ones and two twos yeah. and Drew Locke or three ones, uh, two twos and, you know, Noah Fant to you name it. I mean, it's it's redonkulous. I think for George Payton, it really boils down to look. He's 37. He's entering his age 38 season. We're confident we can get two years out of him. We're confident two years is we can, we can hang our hat on that. So we'll go, we'll mortgage our future in terms of the draft exactly as long as we think he's going to be available to carry the carry the water. That's probably two years. Now it could be wrong on that. Aaron could end up trying to out outshine Tom and play till he's a true gray beard and a long tooth, but you don't see Tom Brady hosting Wheel of Fortune. I, I mean, Tom Brady is all football. He's locked in constantly. I don't think Aaron's going to uh, supersede what he's done in the NFL. And that, that's a big leap. Let's say you get two years of Aaron Rodgers-level play, but you're giving up three first-round picks for those two years. That, to me, is a bridge too far. I can maybe live with two first-round picks, one for each level of high-value year you're going to get from him, but three, and they're going to want a player. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they ask for a Noah fan? Why wouldn't they ask for a Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy or Draymond Jones? The Packers hold all the leverage here. If they want to move Aaron, if you want Aaron from us, give us what we want, and that could be a package of picks and a, a player that the Broncos should not part with. Here's Harold on YouTube saying, I'd rather have a lock Bridgewater competition than Rodgers any day. That's interesting. Now, look, you guys know myself, Zach, we're about as out there as there can, th- that there is in the local media landscape in terms of being even remotely positive with regard to our posture on Drew Locke. We believe Drew Locke can turn the corner. We believe that if given the chance, this could be the year for that. But at the same time, Zach, can you compare a Lock Bridgewater ticket? All right, let's say we were talking politics with a Rogers Rogers ticket. I mean, I guess you would have to throw in a Rogers, and then his VP would be the haul you're giving up for him, right? So, what you're actually saying yes or no to when you're in the voting booth is a Lock Bridgewater ticket or a Rogers and two ones and two twos and you know Noah Fant ticket. Yeah, I think the VP for Rodgers would be all the supporting cast he's going to play with. That's the only reason you make that trade is to put one of the best quarterbacks to ever play with an offense that you might argue is a elite quarterback away from winning a title. I, I don't I, listen. I can't look you guys in the face and say Aaron Rodgers is not better. You know, he's Drew Locke would be better than Aaron Rodgers or Teddy Bridgewater. Would be, no one's saying that. The only thing is, the only question, kind of like Melvin Gordon, we don't hate the player. We hate the cost. We hate the 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 compensation and three first round picks as good as Aaron is. I just think that's a little too far, even though he'd be better than drew. No one's denying that to shift gears here a little bit. We got a question here from Chris on Facebook. He says, I'm sorry if this question has been asked, I haven't been able to watch lately, but if the Broncos do get sold, what happens to George Payton, the new GM and his contact? If the new owner contract, if his new owner wants to do their own thing. So Zach, we know he signed a six-year deal, and you know I don't think you can quite call it ownership change proof. But I mean, because owners can have deep pockets; they can roll off a you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollar loss, whatever it might be, over a six-year period, like nobody's business. If their bank account is in the billions, right? That's no big deal. But it's a pretty ironclad. Um, safety net for George. And I don't think he would have taken the job if he didn't get that. Right. 
Yeah, it's true. And I'm probably sure that the next owner, whoever it may be, would be brief. Let's say it happens in a year from now that more than likely Peyton's going to be around. You're probably saddled with him for at least one year, and then you can do what you want in terms of the hierarchy in the front office. But he's not going anywhere this season. It's his honeymoon year, and uh, there might not be a sell, uh, you know, a sale for the Broncos. They might stay in the Bowling family. I don't think Peyton has anything to worry about, and I think going forward he'll get at least three years of a six-year contract. Abigail says, what if they want Fant, Sutton, Chubb? Is it worth it? It depends on what else goes into that, right? If it's if it's three ones and one of those guys, no way. Um, I'd actually be much more amenable to saying if you were to include a player, like if Green Bay said, look, it's two twos, a, a two, or excuse me, two ones, a two, and Bradley Chubb, I'd be I could live with that much more than saying, you know two ones, a two, and Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant, just because Chubb, as much as I like him, and I think he does have a serious ceiling that we can glimpse through the clouds there, Zach, he hasn't really popped in the same way that we've seen Sutton pop and and showcase with no mistakes. I can be a dominant player. Noah Fant, I mean, he hasn't had that true breakout yet like like Sutton did in 2019, but Fant, dude, all he needs is competent quarterback play, and you've got a top five tight end on lockdown. Chubb, you know, it's injury issues. I get that, Zach, but it's hit and miss production. I've, I've yet to really see him. There was a stretch in last season from like week four to week seven or eight where he was a pretty consistent force. But unlike you, you've seen in years past with former uh, great pass rushers in Denver like Elvis Dumerville, like DeMarcus Ware, like Von Miller – I've yet to really see Bradley Chubb be that consistent threat that changes the game or can change the game on a week-to-week basis. First of all, in terms of giving up an offensive player, doesn't that defeat the purpose in a sense? The only reason you'd be acquiring Aaron is because you have these horses in place, because you have these weapons. What's the point of bringing in a quarterback like Rodgers and then giving up your top 10 receiver or your future Pro Bowl tight end? And Fan can also benefit from proper play calling, not being ignored for stretches and weeks on end, Chad. In terms of Bradley Chubb, though, I would kind of disagree. I think he's shown, maybe in batches, maybe not consistently, he can take over a game. He's had three sack games. He's gotten better against the run. But here's my problem with trading away Bradley Chubb. Von Miller's on a one-year contract. He might not come back. Okay, Bradley Chubb's a former first-round pick. Let's say, you know, let's say you include him in a trade. How would you replace that outside linebacker when you're giving up first-round picks on top of Bradley Chubb? That's the only thing. So let's say Chubb's included in a trade here and something happens to Vaughn. You're getting Aaron, but you might be sacrificing your two edge rushers, your two staples of your defense. So it's like you're taking a little bit from one side to pay the other side. It's You have to yeah. balance and weigh the scales, and that's where when one gets more over the other, where I kind of pump the brakes. You know, those that – those three options he mentioned, I mean, that's all things being equal in my estimation. Now, if you want to drill down on and look at that issue on multiple levels of analysis, you might say to yourself, well, hey, look at what Aaron did last year in Green Bay with the relatively modest supporting cast that he had. That would then stand to reason, Zach. Logic would follow that what you probably want is, look, just throw some dudes in cleats out on the grass and Aaron's going to put up some volume for you but he's going to need a defense that's going to give him extra possessions. He's going to need a defense that can mitigate high flyers like, you know, Pat Mahomes and the chiefs in the division and the Raiders. And uh, if you get to the playoffs, teams like Buffalo teams like Baltimore. And so you want to have your Bradley Chubbs for that scenario. 
there's an argument to be made on all sides. I just think that if you were to say to me of those three players that were mentioned, which would I have the easiest time? And it wouldn't be easy. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not here trying to shade Bradley Chubb. I do think he's still just scratched the surface on what he's capable of. But if push came to shove and you said, no, of these three, who would you be most willing to include in the trade, whether it's for Aaron Rodgers or anybody, Chubb for me would rise to the surface. But that's not me advocating in any way, shape, or form, go trade Bradley Chubb. I get it. The thing about the offense, though, is if you whittle yourself down to players in cleats and you return to the ranks of Benny Fowler and Cody Latimer, what happens when Rodgers hangs them up and you're left with those same no-name Jags throwing your quarterback, whoever it is, having no receivers to throw to? So there's, again, there's a risk-reward. You have to weigh what a trade would do to your franchise. If you're confident you can win a title in those three years, maybe go for it. But you have to also consider the reality. Your team is going to look a lot different, a lot different because of that trade. All right, let's grab this super chat from Dale. What's up? Bonafide superstar. I think Dale's, it's safe to say, has worked himself onto the MHH Mount Rushmore. And um, I mean, near and dear to my heart, this is a guy that was looking out for me. Got a PS5 heading my way. Thanks to Dale. Appreciate that, my friend. He says, I hear some say, how bad Denver drafts as a point to give up the picks. I disagree. Peyton is picking now, and he did a stellar job this draft, and Elway did a good job the last few years. Thoughts? And by the way, Dale, that just reminded me. I need to check and find out. I forgot to do it the other night, see where your T-shirt is. I'll I'll check that out after tonight's pod. But, Zach, it's true that as much guff as Elway got from, let's just say, we'll include 2015, 2015, 16, 17, that three-year stretch in the first and second round, for the most part, was god-awful. But he really turned it around from 18 on, unless you want to really dig your heels in and say that they should have not drafted Chubb at five. They should have taken Josh Allen. They should have taken Lamar. But, you know, that was a diff- we were living in a different world at that point, and they hadn't slammed the door quite yet on Paxton Lynch. There's so many, though, hindsight, you know, we should have done this, we should have done that. Teams shouldn't have passed on Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. They shouldn't have fallen that far. Uh, But you can argue that from 2018 on, for sure, Elway, it's certainly 2019 uh, and 2020 were his best draft classes, but 2017 was the worst. And thank God for Garrett Bowles, because if it wasn't for him, it would have been historically all-time bad. That's the mark of a good GM, though. That's why I felt like it's why when Elway announced he was hanging, you know, getting out of the GM spot this offseason, it surprised me because I feel like he was just growing into that role. He was actually first developing, progressing, becoming a smarter GM, drafting better, constructing a team better. So I think uh, George Payton, though, was the right guy to build on that and take the mantle from that. All right. um, We got one here from George. Good to see you, George. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. He says, lock all day long. Got to develop the youngsters. And that is a very interesting point and take that he brings up here. In fact, Zach, that makes me kind of want to turn to a story we reported on today at milehighhuddle.com. I hope you guys have read the article and checked out the video. We touched on this a little bit last week, but much to our surprise, the traditionally hostile pro football focus relative to the Broncos, right, Uh, included, and this maybe it's just one rogue analyst, um, Ben Lindsay. But they included the Denver Broncos in the top 10 NFL rosters, the best, most talented rosters today in the league. The Broncos checked in at number 10. And, you know, as I analyze this thing and I and we go down the rabbit hole talking about, well, if that's true, because you look at who else was on this 
top 10, and we touched on this last week, I know, but let's just keep it on the AFC. The only teams ranked on that list besides the Broncos, and of course all three of them were higher than the Broncos, were the Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens. All three of those teams in the AFC were in the playoffs last year. All three of those teams went deep into the playoffs last year. And you think, man, are, are the Broncos really on that plane? You know, are they on that? Is the playing field that level for them relative to these three teams? And once again, Zach, it all boils down to on paper, sure, this team is just as talented as any of those teams, with the exception of you still don't know quite yet what's going to happen at quarterback. Do the Broncos have the talent to go toe-to-toe with any opponent in the NFL? Yeah, on paper. But what really separates those teams, like if you take the Chiefs as good as they are and talented as they are, and you remove Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I know we saw an example of that two years ago when they won the Super Bowl uh, when, what's his name, Matt? What's his name, Zach? The the backup in in former Dolphins, dude. Matt Moore. Thank you. When Matt Moore stepped in and kept him afloat, I think that was an exception similar to the Broncos in 98 when Bubby Brister had to play for John Elway for a month. They still went on to win the Super Bowl. That was an exception to the rule. You look at the Bills. You look at the Ravens. If you remove Lamar, if you remove Josh Allen from either one of those teams, they probably are still a tough um, battle for any team on a given Sunday, but they're not a true threat in their respective conference. It all comes down to the quarterback position, and that's why – this team, when it comes to the shot callers and the people making the decisions this year, it's going to be really a sweating bullets type of situation because do you want to swing for the fences? Do you really want to try and grasp for your true potential and ceiling as a team? In that case, you probably want to roll with Locke. Or do you just want to minimize risk? Do you want to play it safe? Do you want to kind of lead with the collective, uh, the defense? Hope your rushing attack comes to fruition. Lean on the skill position. Well, in that case, that's probably Teddy Bridgewater. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think those are really good analogies you made with uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson because you take them out of the equation, and even with good coaching, both teams have that. They're probably treading water in the AFC. They're not atop their division or making noise, and they certainly don't have a quarterback in the MVP picture like Josh Allen was and Lamar Jackson, for that matter, obviously. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a big Drew Locke fan, but I'm going to keep it real with you. Name a weak name a weak point on the Broncos roster. Non quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line. You can maybe argue one of the guard spots or center. You can maybe nitpick inside linebacker, but they have cornerback safeties. You know, defensive line quarterback is the one question mark and that's why the book remains out on Drew Locke and obviously Teddy Bridgewater in a Broncos uniform if they get even good play not even MVP level play and we hope for that but even good play they, they should be able to make some noise so yeah I agree with that Chad and I'm I, so do you as two big Drew Locke guys they are a quarterback away from really making some serious noise not as a playoff contender because you and I both feel they can be a playoff contender and they will be a playoff contender with either Locke or Bridgewater, but a title contender. That's how the, the, the dichotomy changes with a quarterback of that magnitude. Indeed. And Joe, he says on Facebook, you can't give up any foundational players. That's the whole reason Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Zach, just a quick yes or no. Is Cortland Sutton a foundational player? Top 10 receiver, yeah. No offense, foundational Pro Bowl tight end, I would say, yeah. Bradley Chubb, foundational. Former first-round franchise outside linebacker, yeah. I think that's a fair argument that you make there, Joe. And while we're on the – go ahead, Zach. 
They wouldn't ask for a non-foundational player. They're not going to ask for Tim Patrick or Graham Glasgow. They're going to want to get back either a Draymond Jones, Noah Fan, or Cortland Sutton. Again, how could you blame them? They have all the leverage here. If we're giving up a Hall of Fame quarterback, we're going to want some serious pieces in return. I would do the same thing. Quick shout out to Zebulon, who took a moment out of battling the Klingons in deep space to come check us out. Support the cause with 100 stars. Appreciate you, my friend. Dave Glassman, great to see you. How you doing, bro? Enjoy the family on this uh, 4th of July. Appreciate you guys giving us stars on Facebook. All right, let me see where we're at. There is another topic I want to get to here tonight, and uh, we'll see which way the conversation goes. If you guys have topics, questions, super chats, get them in now, because if it kind of runs out of steam, we might just dip on out of here a little bit early. We're sitting here at 36 minutes. Um, But, Zach, there is a – we, another topic we briefly scratched the surface on last week was this Louisville coach, all right, um, dude by the name of – former Louisville coach, excuse me, uh, by the name of Sean Watson, who really went to bat in the Denver Post talking about how Teddy Bridgewater can take a team to another level. And it's an interesting read, and I just want to make sure we credit – it was Sean Keeler of the Denver Post who, who put this together and talked with Sean Watson, who – is now coaching at, I think it's Northern Iowa. But a couple of quotes I want to read out here, Zach, and I want to get your take on this because these are things that, you know, we'd always heard before Teddy came to Denver. We'd heard about his, you know, leadership traits and real calm, cool, collected, and that whole idea. But as soon as I saw him start talking on the microphone after he'd had a chance to actually spend some time around his teammates, it really just was palpable how much, of a leader he is. And I don't just mean that by like, you know, Hey, I'm the cock of the walk. Everybody follow me, but he's a guy that actually takes an interest, shows an interest, a concern for his teammates and a leader that is like that. I mean, if a, if a group that is led by a guy sees that their leader, Zach is willing to take a bullet for him, they will close ranks around that dude. And there's, there's no length that wouldn't go to, to whether it's, you know, football, to play for them, to battle, to whatever, like you look at it in a military context. But it all starts with, according to Watson, his former coach at Louisville, with him being uh, humble and being a giver. Let me just read a couple quotes here real quick. This is Watson talking to the Denver Post. Quote, it starts with giving Bridgewater the opportunity, and he knows he has to earn it. We've heard Teddy say that, in fact, Zach. Hey, I'm not getting handed anything. I'm here to earn whatever I get. That's the beautiful thing about Teddy. He accepts that nothing will be given and he has to be ready to earn everything. I think that where he's come from is different than most everybody I've ever been around. He can take a team to another level. He really can. And then I want to get to this real quick. Uh, This is Watson going on, quote, Teddy, he's a giver. There are two types of people in the world, takers and givers. He is a giver. And then he went on to say this last thing and I'll serve it back to you. Quote, he elevated everybody to play their best. You know, he's talking about the Louisville days. Because he understood what it meant to be a quarterback, to distribute the ball, to get the playmaker's hands on the ball. He understood schematically what we were trying to do. He's a point guard. He gets the ball out to those guys. He knows how to make the big throw, the big play. He could throw open guys like nobody I ever had. He was gritty and tough in the pocket, yet he could extend plays or create plays with his feet. An unbelievable Decision maker, close quote. Zach, what jumps out to you? What are your insights from that few things I just quoted? Well, first of all, the quarterback in Houston isn't fooling anyone with that alias, Sean Watson. Come on now. But 
listen, this is what do I expect a former college coach of a high round draft pick to say? He's lauding the same tangibles and intangibles as every other player and every other coach. I will say this though. I'm not the biggest Bridgewater fan from a physical perspective. His arm talent doesn't really do anything for me, but he won me over a little bit in minicamp and OTAs with his humility, with his team first attitude. He really is okay being the backup. He's not going to be a Joe Flacco. He's going to help mentor Drew Locke. He's already bought into the Broncos culture. He already considers himself a Bronco and is invested with the team, regardless of whether he's starting or not. So yeah, I fully um, I believe what he's saying here about uh, Teddy Bridgewater, that he elevates everyone. He's a natural leader. He came in and exuded that immediately, and I give him a lot of credit for that. But looking at it from you know that little breakdown from Sean Watson, that's more or less scouting Bridgewater as a college quarterback. I'm scouting Bridgewater as an NFL quarterback. A lot has changed in that time, and Teddy Bridgewater, great leader, Great guy to have in the locker room. I just don't want him starting football, you know, games for my football team. I think the biggest thing for Teddy, like he talks about how he's an unbelievable decision maker. I agree. Like if you're, if you are um, measuring his prowess as a decision maker based on, does he turn the ball over? Does he put us in more than his fair shares worth of risky situations where he could turn the ball over? Like if that's what you base decision making on, then I could see how you would say he's an unbelievable decision maker. But part of that line, we talk about this a lot on this podcast that, you know, the word or the phrase, you know, game manager gets thrown around as some kind of pejorative or an epithet, like it's a bad thing. You know, oh, Kyle Orton, no, he was only a game manager. Well, the greatest of all time and in the greatest in the league today, they are the best also game managers, right? Think about Peyton Manning, who was one of the most, talented quarterbacks to ever step on an NFL field. That dude was talented. He had the size. He had all the measurables and things that you look for. But really what separated him is he was able to blend and balance being that talent with also being a game manager and executing. And part of Zach, the reason I go down this rabbit hole, part of being a game manager in an NFL sense that's going to allow you to really burst onto the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks is you got to take chances sometimes. You, some, you got to know when the right time is to take those chances. And anytime I get, I turn on the film, there, there are exceptions to the rule, but that's why it's the rule. There's exceptions. When I watch Teddy Bridgewater on film, I see a guy that always knows where to go with the ball, but that place he goes with the ball is nine times out of 10, the safest, easiest, quickest path of least resistance, check down type situation. He's not really trying to, uh, move the needle, so to speak. He's not taking too many deep shots. He's not really trying to threaten and test the middle of the field, the seams, things like that. And so, you know, you got to pick your poison. Do you want to live and die by a guy who's going to dink and dunk down the field? You know, uh, you get to hand off the ball on first and second down. Hopefully they did well enough to give you a third and three and Bridgewater can take his check down, keep moving the chains. In other words, Alex Smith ball, or do you want a quarterback, Zach, who can actually put defenses on their heels, take big chunk opportunities when they're there. It's hard. It's a hard decision. Yeah, this is how I feel about it to kind of further your point. 
you can be a game manager. You can have that label. You can be an Alex Smith. You can be a Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson. Game managers in the NFL have gone on to have success. You can win with a game manager. Here's the problem, though, is when you have a second label, and that second label is journeyman. There's a reason why Teddy Bridgewater is on his fourth team now. Four or five? Five teams. Okay, so that's more or less, we talked about the Dilfer, Brad Johnson end of the spectrum. This is the Case Keenum end of the spectrum now. You don't want Case Keenum starting ball games for you. Ideally, you don't want Teddy Bridgewater starting ball games for you. And if his former coach's evaluation was that accurate and spot on, he wouldn't be a journeyman. He wouldn't be on his fifth team right now. He would have stayed in Carolina and not been replaced for Sam Darnold. Once again, I agree with the intangible aspect. I, I'm a big fan of Teddy's now from that side, from his humility, his personality, and what he can do to help the Broncos win. I still don't think he should be, based on arm talent and projection and ceiling, the Broncos' starting quarterback until he earns it. All right, last storyline I want to get to, and then uh, we'll see what's in, left in the chat, and then we'll say goodnight, uh, is an article that Keith Cummings had for us. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, Justin Simmons, right? Talking about, whoops, let me, let me hurry and get this ad out of the way here. Uh, Justin Simmons talking about why he believes the Broncos are, are close. Um, he appeared on good morning football, did Justin Simmons last Thursday. And he said the following quote, I feel like we're really close. We're finally having a year where we're having coordinators come back and guys are familiar with the schemes and the systems, both on offense and defense and on special teams I feel like we're really close, close quote. Now, Zach, the reason I want to bring this up is, uh, actually, let me read this second. In our division, quote, this is Simmons again, in our division, we got teams like the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers. Those are some high-powered offenses. So we're going to need a defense that's ready to go week in and week out because we play the best in our division. In terms of defensive goals, we want to be number one. We have the talent across the board to be able to get after the quarterback, get some turnovers, that's an yes. area that we've struggled in the past couple of years, close quote. So, Zach, the reason I wanted to get to this is it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with pro football focus ranking the Denver Broncos in the top 10 relative to rosters. I think everyone feels like they're on the precipice, even the guys in that locker room. And you got to believe you're going to succeed if you're going to succeed. So that's – I mean, they should be at this time of year feeling this way. But when you have outside, um, you know, outside market – places like pro football focus, whatever kind of corresponding to what your view of this thing is makes you kind of sit up a little bit. If you're Justin Simmons or anyone, now we really believe that we can be a threat. Again, it just boils down to the Q. It boils down to production and execution as well, both on the coaching staff and Simmons. He's the highest paid safety now, Chad. It's on him and his shoulders to step up and make the Broncos the number one defense. But I like what he acknowledged there. They mentioned getting turnovers. That's been a big bugaboo for them. They've mentioned just being more productive on defense. It starts with Simmons there. But I like everything he said because there's no reason why they can and no excuse why they can't. You talk about the talent around Simmons. You talk about having Vic Fangio and having Ed Donatel and the rest. There's no more excuses. And if they get the number one defense, even if they have a top 16, 17 offense, that should mean the schneid is broken and Simmons finally gets to play in a playoff game, as we all want him to do. We can all agree on that. All right, guys, one or two more out of the chat, and then uh, we'll call it a night. From Sam Bam, he says, also, listen, if the Broncos get behind by double digits, Bridgewater's style yes. will make it more difficult to come back. And that's a that's an issue. And again, you hate to rely on the outliers. You, it, it's, it's a very faulty um, 
strategy to rely on outliers to kind of, you know, bolster your argument on any subject. Drew Locke, though, has shown that he can overcome pretty significant, serious deficits. You just want to see him do that type of perform at that type of level on a consistent basis. And that's been the biggest thing with Drew. And I think, again, my parting message for fans on, uh, well, we got Mark Langley top roping it. Um, my, my parting message to fans tonight, and then we'll grab Mark, Zach, is don't expect to see miracles pouring forth from Drew in training camp. You're not going to see him come back from the six-week break suddenly looking like the second coming of John Elway. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen. That's not who he is. He's going to be sloppy at times and he's going to be undisciplined at times, and then that's going to be peppered and punctuated with flashes of brilliance and big, deep plays. Everyone goes, ooh, ah, fans watching on the berm. You know, it's going to be one of the – that's just the way he is, especially in a practice setting, Zach. Practice settings always favor the guy who plays it safe. You know, the guy who knows where to go with the ball and plays it safe, it's always going to favor that guy. That's one of the reasons why Paxton Lynch just could never vanquish Trevor Simeon in a true open competition because – by the time you got to the actual regular season and they make their decision, I mean, how can you go with the guy who's in Lynch's case? We can't even compare him to Drew. That's It's not fair in any way, shape, or form. But I'll just bring it back to practice favors the guy that's Teddy, the guy that's Trevor, which is going to make it all the more – you really have to see into the future. You really have to see on you know deeper into this thing if you're the coaches, if you're going to make the right decision for who's going to quarterback this team. Well, I mean, do we want Locke to look the best in training camp? Don't we want kind of more bumps a little bit going into preseason, let those get ironed out? It's kind of like peaking in high school. Who wants to do that? We don't want that for Drew. We want him to peak in adulthood, and that would mean the regular season after going through the lumps in high school, which is training camp, and going through lumps in college, which would be the preseason. Get those mistakes, if there are any, out of the way now and go into the season with that experience and with those reps that he lost last year. That's also a very underrated aspect, Chad, good or bad. Reps for Drew Locke right now, first-string reps, are invaluable this summer. Here we have another Mount Rushmore superstar. And Mark, hey, he's more than just a superstar. He's a, We consider him to be a close friend of ours and just a diligent, dedicated Broncos fan, but a diligent, dedicated member of our community. He has more done than more than his fair share, Zach, in the last two, three yeah. years since we've been doing this to help keep the lights on relative to what we're doing here with these live stream podcasts. So, Mark, you know we love you. Appreciate you, my friend. Hope you're having a great fourth. You said, and the, dude, I mean, Zach, the, the generosity on display here, just look, my hair blown completely off the top of my head. Anything I can say is going to sound disingenuous, but Mark being a good friend of us personally off air, as you said, Chad, he knows that we're very much appreciative. And Mark, thank you so much. We seriously hope you're having the best fourth and thank you for tuning in with us tonight. And give our best to Penny. Hope you guys have had a yeah. great fourth weekend. He says, what's up, my guys? Just got home from Pigeon Let's see. Just got home from Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Right on, dude. Beautiful place, but way to pack. Beautiful place, but way to pack. Just wanted to say hi and keep up the good work. Hashtag MHH. Never been there. Never been. I've actually never been in Tennessee, one of the few states I've never been in. So very cool, Mark. I've never been to Gatlinburg, but I've been to Nashville a few times, and there's a reason why they call it Nash Vegas. I mean, that city is lit to the extreme. Love Tennessee. Love Nashville. Great place. When I think of Tennessee, I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, you think of the Volunteers or you think of the Titans or you think of country music maybe. I think of the movie 
Hustle and Flow. If you've ever seen that movie, dude, that movie is sick. All right, I love that movie. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Mark, love you, bro. Thank you so much. That's that's how you end a podcast, Zach, with a plump. I mean, I mean, that's Mark Langley for you. I mean, it's it's one hand, it's totally surprising and it blows us away. And the other hand, it's Mark Langley. It's not surprising. So thank you so much, Mark, again. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for peeling off some time here from your 4th of July celebration to participate in these conversations and chew the cut over the very latest. And look, there's not a lot happening, but what little pieces of news that we get uh, what's up, Zebulon? What what little pieces of news that we get? We're gonna show up for you every single night, 6 p.m. Mountain to to 7 p.m. Mountain, and break it down. So thanks for that, Zach. Happy Fourth, bro. John, Happy Fourth. Happy Fourth of July to everyone, all of our listeners out there in the U.S. of A. And also a very special Fourth of July. Let me just give some props here to everyone knows Albert Knoppers. All right, big time superstar, big time Facebook supporter. This also happens to coincide with his 17th anniversary of going from being a citizen of Holland to becoming a citizen of these United States. So congratulations to you, Albert. And thanks again for everything, my friend. Yes, Albert. Thank you. And I don't want, I I would be remiss to ignore anyone who listens to us who either is serving or has served happy 4th of July guys. And thank you for all that you do. We are seriously so grateful and we always acknowledge you, Uh, Kevin. We appreciate the stars there, but we are out of here guys until tomorrow night, new week, uh, new podcast, new huddle up coming at you tomorrow night. But in the meantime, be sure to follow the huddle up pod at huddle up pod on Twitter. Be sure to follow the mother account at mile high huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see on the screen, at Chad and Jensen. You can see myself at Kelberman NFL. Please, guys, be sure to follow The Beast on Twitter, our producer, John K, at John K MHH. If you haven't yet, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod, all one word. Click the button, like the page, follow the page. We appreciate you. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button, become a supporter, $5 exclusive content. We have three shows rolling out. We had KK earlier today. I thought it was a good episode. Hopefully you guys thought the same thing, but uh, also check out huddleuppod.com and get yourself a shirt, get yourself a hat, get yourself et cetera, et cetera. We appreciate everyone checking that out. And if you can't do any of that, as always, we understand and appreciate it, and uh, we respect your decision. But three things we ask and plead. Please, guys, do this for us. Subscribe, like, and share. It helps us grow more than anything, anything else can do, anything we ask of you. Please do that for us. We appreciate it. We'll be back in the saddle, though, tomorrow night, Chad, 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain Huddle Up Podcast. Take care. And as always, have a great fourth, guys. And take care of your pets out there, all the fireworks going off. It's so tough for pets. Please, guys, think of your pets out there. That's my PSA for the evening. Happy fourth. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.